Do you talk with your pets? Do you know what they are trying to tell you? I've been communicating with animals since I was four years old, and what I have consistently witnessed is our animals want to be part of our everyday conversations and our amazing storytellers. Let me help you listen more deeply, a listening from your heart that opens all the doors to communication. What we learn from the animals helps us understand ourselves in a new way. On this episode, we explore the different ways our animals communicate with us through their behaviors. Is there deeper meaning to what they do and how they act? In our conversation, we take a leap from labeling behavior to understanding it, which allows for compassion to come through. I'll share two stories so you can use your own intuitive abilities to decode what's really going on by reading between and underneath the lines. You'll be amazed how deeper listening and observing in any situation reveals important information that will help you and your pet live a compatible and congruent life together. Sound good? Let's get the conversation started. Hi there. It's a beautiful day here in Asheville, North Carolina. You know, it's always um, such a, a fun time when I, I get to create the show and the animals come in and, and it gets shuffled and reworked and, you know, up until the last minute even. Um, and it's just a, a really interesting creative process as the animals shift and move and uh, say, no, I want to be part of it. And I really think this is important. So I really appreciate your joining in and uh, for a really fun topic, actually, it's a very interesting topic to me about, you know, animal antics and their behavior. And, you know, we, we see the behavior, but it can be, you know, across the map, like really, really funny, or it can be really, really intense and hard to work with. And um, I've experienced both. I'm sure you are too, if you have animals. Um, So what we're going to do today is just take a deep dive into behavior and what that might mean or what it looks like so that you can take that back in your own life and use it for people and animals. It's across the board helpful. So I love this quote by Maya Angelou. People will forget what you said. People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. You know, I I would translate that to the animals as the same is true for us and animals. We will forget the bad behaviors after a while and after a lifetime as we look back. We will never forget how they made us feel. We always remember that piece. and, And that's your connection into them, especially now and after they pass is that heart center that feeling space that that's your that's your connecting thread so question have you ever wondered why pets and people act the way they do i mean all we have to do is go out and observe things in the grocery store on the in the street or what you know driving um and have you ever noticed the odd behaviors and wondered why they're doing them you know have you ever noticed your own behavior changing if something emotionally bothers you? Are you aware of that? Are you aware of what's underneath your own uh, choices of behavior, let's say? So I've always really been interested in behavior. I guess I did a lot of observing as a kid. And so I'd watch everybody and it'd be so interesting to see them talk. And yet I could feel underneath they weren't actually 
that it wasn't congruent with what they were feeling and what they were saying. So I guess this translated into, you know, what I do now with, um, you know, jumping underneath, not even jumping, it's just a sensing underneath of what's being said, what's, what's happening, observing the behavior. And I think we probably, is behavior just behavior? It's random, it's out of context, it's just the way it is, or is there something deeper going on all the time? Um, so once you think about when you're in school and maybe a kid acted out and maybe you were, you were that kid, perhaps the kid got called to the principal's office, perhaps they got put in time out, or perhaps they got punished. If so, would there have been any value in trying to understand the deeper level before trying to fix or correct the behavior? I feel like so. It, it's not that we don't need to take steps, but it's more of a whole picture when we can understand underneath what's going on. So when I was in college, I would go home on weekends and my mother and I would sit on the couch in front of this big window and I would wail about things that had captured my emotional attention uh, with my friends, other students, professors. She would listen patiently until I was finished with my dramatic stories. They were very dramatic. The script would always include words that were said or behavior I didn't understand. And I felt very satisfied that I had reported these injustices to her, certain that I would hear a, oh, poor Tammy, somewhere in there. What happened instead was that my mother would ask me questions, causing me to look a little deeper, a little deeper to why things might have happened the way they did. She told me that seeing the behavior was the first step. Then she said, most people see behavior and then they stop at that. They label it a certain way. It becomes a final kind of um, declaration. She said, but if I took another step to understand the possible reasons for the behavior, I would be able to have more compassion than I currently did. This always stuck with me. It was like one of the many, many moments I remember with her that I have carried with me in my life. And I'm so appreciative for all that, you know, all that uh, counseling she did during that time, because it really caused me to be like, oh, you mean there's something else that's maybe causing that behavior? Same is true, you know, for animals. Wouldn't it be easier if we didn't jump to conclusions, maybe, and immediately try to fix things because of what we see with our eyes? Understanding, not labeling, opens the doors to compassion. And I'm not saying it's easy. A lot of times it's not. And a lot of times we had to jump in. Uh, we have to jump in and, and fix the situation. If it's a, you know, you're on the front line, something's happening, absolutely do what you need to do. But what I'm suggesting is let's always try to back up to say, huh, I wonder why that happened or wonder why my dog or cat, uh, my pet is acting out the way they are, which is, I think from a lot of the questions you already are doing that and interpreting, you know, kind of what, possibly it's about. So I want to share a story with you about Alex. So it was November and very close to Thanksgiving as I made the drive to the animal shelter where I volunteered. Once there, I immediately noticed a large black lab huddled and shivering at the back of the cage. I did a double take for he was stunningly handsome with chiseled features and the most beautiful eyes I had ever seen. His coat was dingy and dull, which reflected a really hard life. Instinctively, I grabbed a leash and opened the gate. Watch out for that one. Don't trust him. He don't like no one, warned a worker who was passing by. I briefly looked up to acknowledge the warning, 
but this dog's eyes looked soft and gentle despite the fear I saw in them. I decided to take a risk and slip the leash over his head. Once outside, he relaxed slightly. He even played a little ball while he forgot his troubles. I reluctantly walked him back to the same cage where he immediately moved toward the back again, huddling. Our eyes met and I heard thanks as he literally nodded his head, tipping his nose down and then back up as he looked at me. It was very direct, very intentional and quite moving. Over the next few days, I couldn't keep my encounter with him out of my thoughts. I kept recalling his demeanor, cautious yet gentle, spirited yet respectful, direct yet shy. His eyes, windows to his soul, revealed a depth of awareness and character that could easily be overlooked. After all, he was just another black dog. I realized I had a deep connection to him, even though we had just met. Two days later, right before Thanksgiving, I adopted him and Alex began his new life. But he had a lot of detoxing to do, both physically and emotionally, and it took him quite some time before he could sleep with both eyes shut. His nervous system stayed stuck in high gear. He would jump at the slightest noise and startle easily from sleep, growling and jumping on all fours with his hair raised. His greatest issue to overcome was that of needing space. Alex couldn't bear feeling trapped or closed in. But over time, he grew relaxed with the other dogs in our family, and they were a ragtag bunch of labs and golden retrievers, all of whom had checkered pasts. Being lighthearted didn't come easily to Alex, so he always kept his space from any roughhousing that went on in the group, and they kept a respectful distance from him as well. Because of this, he became a loner, taking long walks by himself, and I always felt Alex had a lot of bottled-up memories and emotions, ones that he kept tucked far away because they were too painful to feel. I wondered if his shadow side would erupt one day, triggered by something that had meaning only for Alex. Often I would remember that worker's warning. Alex definitely had triggers. And the space issue uh, was probably his biggest, biggest thing, because if he felt cornered, and it could be the slightest thing, like another dog walking by in his face, you could see his eyes his eyes would change and there was almost like another energy that would come into Alex. And so, you know, several times fights broke out because he would lash out and it would be so random, random and so fast um, that there was nothing I could do, but be on my feet, handle it, you know, do whatever I had to do. But it, it concerned me greatly. It, it, it made me wonder, you know, if he was ever going to be able to heal from this behavior of lashing out. And so as miracles happen with dogs, um, it was during this time that another dog joined us, a big energetic black lab we named Mikey. If Mikey had been a boy, you would have seen him sporting a baseball cap backwards, looking like Bazooka Joe popping bubble gum. With his blocky lab head and athletic build, Mikey was larger than any of the dogs. Naturally friendly, he went right up to Alex to introduce himself. A look of fear immediately entered Alex's eyes, and he backed up. It was a tense moment, and I wasn't sure I wasn't going to have to jump into a fray. Mikey completely ignored his behavior, and in what would become like a standard greeting, did like a paw shake, fist bump, pat on the back kind of move. And surprisingly, Alex didn't lash out or run and a friendship had begun. And over the, you know, the time, they would walk on the property, take long walks together. And 
actually got quite creative in their behavior and healing. They would, on one night I woke up to a terrible stench in the house. I, you know, I went straight to the basement because that's where it was uh, leading me. And the smell was completely overpowering and it was, I was almost choking. So Molly, who I've talked to you before about her mother, Molly, um, was standing at the dog door with a determined and very exasperated look on her face. Like it's about time. She grunted. I can't hold the store much longer. And I said, Molly, what's going on? And uh, I need to get outside. Where are the boys? She stared at me and didn't budge. And I heard some rustling outside. Excuse me. I said, as I wedged myself beside her and stuck my head out the dog door, um, move over. She grumbled. She stuck her head out too. So Alex and Mikey were on opposite sides with a live skunk in the middle. It was dark, but you could see their eyes glowing as they had stared each other down. Suddenly there was a scuffling followed by barks and Molly and I retreated inside. When we peeked again, Alex and Mikey were facing the dog door, waiting patiently to get back in. No skunk in sight. They stunk to high heaven. You know, probably the most incredible sight to witness was during Frisbee time, like that photo. And I would you know, take a big bucket of balls and Frisbees. They would line up like soldiers. One by one, I launched Frisbees in the air. And though each had their own Frisbee, Alex and Mikey would invariably end up running after the same one, each racing to catch it midair. And like choreographed dancers, they would leap in the air at the same time, catch it, and then race back side by side, holding a side of the Frisbee. It became their signature look, best friends, side by side. You know, I would say big, big, big magic happened to Alex in his lifetime because the behavior of lashing out and uh, the fear moves that he would do uh, softened over the years. And I did have him on uh, flower essences, which helped Alex tremendously. You know, so his beginnings as a street dog, rough and wary of anyone ready to pick a fight with him, to his life as a fun-loving, open-hearted, free spirit is what healing looks like. And, and I did have over the years when I would have to go to the vet for an issue that got created because of the fray that they would say, well, you need to do something with that dog. He needs to be euthanized. He needs to be. And I would I would listen and, and I would feel into that to see if that was actually what I felt. And I just had this sense that, you know, Alex could make some choices. And so to change on the outside, we must first change on the inside one step at a time. And I think that takes courage. So we have to make a, an inner decision to take the windows of opportunities to step through the doors that we're afraid of, you know, and to see what's on the other side. And so Alex's behavior, which was terrifying and scary, um, could have easily had him euthanized, could have easily labeled a behavior a certain way. You know, and every day clients ask me why their pets are doing crazy things or acting out in inappropriate ways. You know, behavior is a symptom of deeper emotions. Behavior carries an energetic and emotional imprint, one you can always feel and sense, always. So what do we do when we don't understand behavior? Most often we judge it. Um, that's a bad kid. That's a bad dog. That's a that's a crazy cat. That's a whatever we call. We label and declare something as such. But you know, with intuitive listening and animal behavior, it's a listening on a softer, broader level. The listening is on a much deeper level. The level where you can pick up energy, behavior patterns. Um, 
that can be discovered. And knowing Alex's entire life with me, I'm so glad that I had so much, you know, even all the dogs, you know, there was a cooperation with each other and, you know, Molly, Molly mothered them all and then would tattle on them. And so uh, it was very, it was a very beautiful way they all connected, even with the, the eruptions that uh, would be so intense and so fast and actually so scary. So this was um, literally uh, a, a Zoom session that I had with a mom and her two pets, Olivia and Barney. This is actually something that uh, we talked about. So it's all like they came to Dr. T's office and they, they all had their like grievances and they were all like ready, like I was with my mother to report everybody who had been mean to me and they're doing this and that. So she came and before I could, you know, I could feel the tension and the mom started talking and she said, Olivia won't stay off the couch. It's an extremely expensive couch. And I'm here to tell you, my husband is not happy about it. I looked over and they were all in the Zoom room so I could see everybody. I look over to see Olivia all but filing her nails, totally not caring what was said about her, almost like a, an eye roll. And she says, and don't get me started on Barney. Uh, she was very exasperated. Barney, she continued, peed on my shoes this morning and it's just not acceptable. I looked over at Barney and he was actually snoring in the corner, oblivious to the grievance being filed against him. So what I did is, is and, and, you know, as I'm doing things, I like to share this with you so you could do it in your own life. What I did is I listened to each story, each grievance. I could feel and hear underneath what they were, what that behavior was really saying. So if you want to play for a minute, I'd like to, to put this out so that you give this some thought yourself. If you're looking at the situation with the people that came, the, the animals that came, what's the energy of the behavior that you think? And, you know, you may want to just, if you have a pen and paper, as always, best to do that on my show. Um, you could put mom, Olivia, um, Barney, and then, you know, what's the energy of mom? What, what emotions does her behavior reveal? And what words would you use to describe it? Um, can you feel underneath the behavior to understand what might really be going on? If you don't mind, and you can take a minute or so, jot down something and share it with me in the comments because, um, you know, we all have intuitive ability and I'm so appreciative when you put things, you know, in the comments, you're so aware yourself. So let's do consider. What is the energy of the mom, would you say, if you had to put a word to it? Uh, Olivia, um, with her behavior of sitting on the sofa, of Barney, who apparently decided to pee on her shoes. Um, understandably, uh, a problem, right? We would all be like, ooh, <laughs> like, what are you doing? So notice the behavior, but pay even more attention to the energy and emotions underneath. Have a curious mind to discover what's there. Have a don't know mind. Feel. Don't think. Get out of your head. Because <laughs> that's where the, the information is. And so, you know, I, I agree. And, uh, you know, I had written down some things for mom, you know, frustrated. She's overwhelmed. Feeling unheard. Did 
and and the other piece was did you pick up her um concern about the husband so a little concern there i think olivia was offended you know kind of miffed and confused as why she couldn't sit on the sofa like you do um, and Barney, again, a lot of you, all of you have hit on this, misunderstood, needing attention, is unsure kind of of his place in the family and a little concerned for mom. If Olivia and Barney could talk, I mean, what would Olivia say? What would Barney say? So, you know, when I was tuning in, Olivia's version to me was, you know, she couldn't understand why she was being shooed off the couch when it was a family couch. All the humans use it. Like, she just didn't get it. Plus, she felt important there and she could keep her eyes on things. That's an important piece to pay attention to um, because of that fourth energy in the room that we all felt. So Barney's version. Interesting. He had been concerned for a while about the tension in the house as there had been some arguments and he wanted to get his mom's attention. But mostly, and a lot of you have hit on this, he wanted to hug her and feel that everything would be okay. So the solution we came up with, um, and this was definitely a, I mean, a negotiation um, after everyone had had a chance to speak and, and we were understanding really what was underneath all that. Um, for Olivia, she agreed <laughs> to designate a special chair just for Olivia, one that was covered with her favorite blanket if she would just stay off the couch. So we had to run that by Olivia. Like, would this be okay with you? Is this a win-win for everybody? You get to stay in the room. You get your own special throne. Olivia went for it. She really liked that one. She really liked that one. Um, and that seemed to settle her, which settled mom, uh, which settled uh, the other energies in the room. For Barney, um, she told him that she would take a moment every morning to hug and love him, giving him her full attention in return for no more shoe pee episodes. She also agree, agreed, and this is important to remember for your own animals, she agreed to include him in family discussions. Animals listen, just like children listen. And he'd been listening. And he was very protective of mom and very concerned um, for this specific relationship. When we finished up the session, I could, Olivia was like giving me like a, a head nod. And um, Barney, he was like, I'm satisfied with these terms. <laughs> and so the energy totally changed in the room and they felt more like a family working together. So it was an energy of cooperation. So again, another client, another situation. Here's, here's the scenario. Husband and wife are having a discussion in the room. They have two little dogs who live with them. Sometimes the discussions get heated. That's when the little dogs will suddenly start a game of hide and seek and chase where they zoom around and around the furniture doing zoomies everywhere. The husband gets irritated. His attention immediately goes to what the dogs are doing. Question. What's the reason the dogs are doing this? Do you think, what do you feel from them? Um, they are anxious. They feel the tension. Um, ah, distraction. Y you all are heading in the right direction. They're intentionally trying to create a paradigm shift. They're distracting the humans from their state of being. Yeah. Um, Monica says the dogs are trying to divert attention from the argument. And Joy says they feel the tension. Okay. Maybe even 
that the dogs are clearing the negative energy in the room. Yes, all of the above. You guys are great. Really, you. It, 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 that's why they're doing it. All that they felt the tension. They were trying to break the energy in the room. Um, they, and I've seen this with animals a lot. They will intentionally like. And I can even remember as a child doing this. If I heard an argument, I'd all of a sudden go in and ask for a drink because then they'd have to stop and come get me a drink. So that was just something intuitive. Animals do the same thing um, and they do get stressed and they vent their emotions. The dogs do get overwhelmed. I agree. The way animals move energy is to move just like we need to do. So if you ever feel stuck, if you ever feel like cramped, conflicted energy, get up and move breathe out a window, get your keys and walk around. You know, car keys are all about moving. Even if you can't, it makes you feel better. Heather says the dogs feel the tensions so they're acting out. But you know, Heather, they're acting out in a way that they would say they're energy cleaners. I've had them uh, have had them show me the images of scrubbing bubbles. You know, that uh, cartoony, what is that, Mr. Clean scrubbing? Anyway, you know what I'm talking about, little scrubbing bubbles where they clean up the energy in the room. It's amazing. And they can do that quite well. Um, all of you all are doing this naturally. You're softening your inner gaze and expanding your awareness. You notice the behavior, but you're also feeling the energy and emotions underneath. And if we did that all the time, wouldn't we respond differently, you think, to behavior rather than calling it wrong or labeling it something? And think about the kids. Think about the school and how they, this child is this way and that. Oh my goodness, it's such a, a practice uh, for, for life. You know, if we can take something we've learned back into our own lives and that actually uh, we're teaming up with the animals, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, what, what gifts we've been given. Well, all of you warm my heart and I'm so glad you're here today. Um, I can't wait to see you next time. And let's always, always keep the conversation going with everybody. See you next time. You've been listening to Tammy's Soul Speak for Animals podcast. Remember to subscribe to my YouTube channel, Tammy's Soul Speak for Animals, and like my Facebook page, Soul Speak with Tammy Hendricks. And if you want a private session, please visit my website at TammyHendricks.com. Thank you for joining me as we change the way we communicate with animals and each other one conversation at a time.